0: Let's get this party started. Well, continued. How about that? You guys ready to get into the word? Oh, yeah. let's go. Praise the Lord. Let's go. That's right, man. Said, so let's do it. All right. A uh, little surprise this morning for you. I think it's going to be good. Um, what we want to do is, I'm going to preach um, a shortened sermon this morning. Believe it or not. And uh, what we're going to do is, he said, Yeah, right. Uh, What we're going to do is I want to give you, and this is the first time we've ever done this, but I'm excited about it. I want to engage you a little bit, especially since we've been learning some things that some of you are very aware of, and I've had people say, well, you know, it's not really anything new to me, but a lot of you have said, I've never heard a sermon on that before in my life. A lot of you are asking me questions about gifts, asking me questions about how do I know what my gift is, all these different questions, and it doesn't have to pertain necessarily to gifts, but... What I want to do is I'm going to preach a shortened sermon, and I'm going to really apply an example from Old Testament of what I'm preaching and teaching in the New Testament, and then I'm going to open the floor for questions. All right, So we're going to have a Q&A this morning after I get through preaching, and the way we're going to do it is, if you've got a pen and paper, write this number down. What we're going to do is I'm going to uh, give you... You can do it all throughout the sermon. Uh, you can text your question... All right, you can text your question. We're going to text it to 4864497. Eighty-five eleven. All right, if you've got a question that you want to ask that uh, is relevant to this, or maybe it's just a question that's that's founded in the Bible, or you've been wondering for a long time, I won't have time to answer every question if we get a good many questions, but I'll take as many as I can, and around 1150 or so, we're going to start answering those questions. So go ahead and write this number down. If you want to do that, the questions will be anonymous, so you text your question in. It won't be like so-and-so asked this question. It'll just be a question and we'll go through and we'll pick as many questions as we can and we'll try to answer those questions this way we can engage a little bit because a lot of times I'll preach a sermon and you can't all get to me or you have some questions and so you're talking about it over dinner or whatever and I think this will be really fun we'll try this out we might do this from time to time uh, and see see how this works I want you to uh, be engaged I want you to really be able to ask well I've got a question about this and I've really been wondering about this can you answer that so no more on that you've got the number Text a question in. If something hits you as I'm preaching, go ahead and text it in. I won't jump on you for using your phone during the service. And then uh, at the end of the, the sermon, we will look at some of those questions and see if we can answer as many as possible. All right, today's message is entitled um, Appointed and Empowered by God. Appointed And empowered by God, and so what I want to do is take the sermons, the lessons that I have been teaching you and preaching to you over the past several weeks, and we're not done with the giftings yet. Uh, We're going to get to uh, the gift of prophecy next week. We're going to study the gift of prophecy. What does it mean for today? Is it still active for today? Um, What? How should we think about it? How should we? How cautious should we be? Uh, Should we allow that into our church? Do we need that in the church? And what should it look like in the church? That'll be Next week and uh, really doing a lot of preparation on that one and trying to to get all the information that is the most relevant and helpful for you and for our church okay but this week what i'm going to do is i'm going to take the passage of ephesians 4 11, uh first corinthians 12 28 and we're going to look at what it looks like in jeremiah chapter 1 verses 4 through 8 so what you should be asking yourself over the past several weeks is okay my preacher my teacher has been talking to me that uh, gifts are still in existence that uh, the that the Lord gave each one gifts as he saw fit and uh, as it, as he willed it to be according to uh, the graces that he desired to give in Christ so the Lord has gifted everyone who has come to him and been born again and cleansed by the blood of the lamb and has received the Holy Spirit that's one in the same action when you're born again when you are washed in the blood when you are covered in the blood of Christ you that happens through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit so When you become a child of God, the Holy Spirit comes in and he uh, redeems you, he regenerates you, these words that we can find in the scriptures, and he makes you new. But in that process, it's it's not just about justification being right before God, but it is about sanctification as well, and you have received a Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you. That Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ up from the dead, and that same power now lives inside of you. And what we know about this is is that that Holy Spirit that lives inside of you is a living and active person. He has personality. He has emotions. We can grieve him. We can silence him. We can quench him. We 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 can really turn the Holy Spirit off or we can interact with him and we can fan in the flame the gift that was given to us and we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's a difference in being indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Every believer has the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of him. But there is in the scriptures a distinction between those who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit or have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them, and those who from time to time are filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, seemingly empowered by to a greater degree uh, in order to do the work of God. OK, so as we are getting tune, this, I think that this correlates with the act of sanctification, this work by which we become more and more like Christ and become more and more in tune with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus. And we are we are used by him or allow him to use us more to do the things that he calls us to do. Now, we've preached a sermon and we said that, that here we believe, that I believe, okay, this church believes, for the most part, all of, your, all of your leaders agree that all of the gifts are still active and present and available to those who God sees fit, okay, okay? Uh, So what we would say is that the gifts are here, how should we use them? And we said that there are three reasons why we don't see God working in us like we would like to. One is that sometimes we lack faith to see those gifts and those healings and those miracles and the supernatural things, but I uh, I don't think it just takes the supernatural gifts away, but I think by faith we receive words of wisdom. By faith and by interacting with Christ, we understand the Word of God and its relevance in our lives. Uh, this faith i think that that, that that a lack of faith really hurts us in our relationship with god and seeing the gifts uh, worked out to their fullest but a second thing is wrong motives so you may want to work a miracle or you may want to teach well or be a charismatic leader but with the wrong motives and god's not going to allow that so've i've even gotten up before and prepared my sermon wrongly and 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 did not do what god felt like that god wanted me to do and that i felt like god was leading me to do some of you think, that when I preach a sermon I just get up here I write three points out and I just go to preaching well it is and maybe some preachers can do that I'm not saying I'm right I'm not saying I'm wrong but what I have found in my preaching is that I almost I can study the scriptures yeah hello i can study the scriptures for for hours on end and i can probably make three or four or five sermons in a week because that's not very hard i can go to a text and one verse my wife can tell you we can talk for an hour and a half on one verse on one word on one word in the scriptures if you go back to the greek and all that it's not very hard to write a three-point sermon but i oftentimes agonize over what the lord has for you for me to say this week as I communicate with the Lord on a relational and realistic level. A lot of people believe that this Bible is the only way that God speaks to us anymore and that there is nothing else. And we can't really get into that. Now, I do believe that the Bible is sufficient and it is a closed canon and there is no no one else, and we'll get into this next week when we talk about prophecy, there is no more words of God spoken that we should write down and, and believe as Scripture. No. What we see as the prophetic gifting, and this is just a little uh, insight to what's coming, is that a prophetic word is, 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 is getting a word from the Lord and something being placed on your mind and you sharing that, but all of those must be tested by the word of God. And so what I'm saying is, is, that the Lord has given us the Bible so that we can understand everything that we know, need to know about, about God. It is sufficient unto God for salvation. We know that, but I do believe that the Lord still speaks and he helps us to understand the scriptures. I believe that's absolutely in the Bible. He helps you to understand where he would want for you to go and how he has gifted you. But all of those insights are to be tested by the word of God. Raise your hand if you believe God still speaks today. God still speaks today. Now, do we put that on par with the Word of God? No. We test it by the Word of God. Amen? We, th- this is his final authority. But he does still speak. He brings things to mind. He puts, he puts a still small voice in our head and he says, Hey, I would like for, you to, I'd like for you to text Josh and tell him, Man, I'm praying for you today. I'd like for you to call up uh, uh, John and, and tell him, say, Hey, man, I missed you today. I'd like for you to do this. I, why don't you right now stop what you're doing and pray for so-and-so. Hey, I think I, I want you to go over, and I want you to tell uh, Wesley this. I want, you to tell Graham, I want you to go over and tell him that, that God loves him. I want you to go tell him that. And how many times have we had someone come to us? Uh, Scott and I were talking a while back, and he said, you wouldn't believe it. He told me this whole long story about how Hambone was, was texting him and calling him, and he was like, this guy's got a camera somewhere. But the Lord speaks to Hambone, and Hambone's very obedient, and he'll say, oh, i got to stop that. And, and many times, Hambone's called me or texted me. I thought, man, what, how on time was that? How many times have you been obedient, and you've called or texted someone or went over to someone's house or, or put something on Facebook or whatever it might be? The Lord speaks in all types of different ways. And then someone responded to you and said, how'd you know? And you said, how'd I know what? How many times have I preached the Word of God, and somebody come to me after the service, I didn't know you knew. And I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) God still speaks. He brings things to mind. And it's crazy. Sometimes we don't even know. But I preached a sermon last Thursday night, and we got down, didn't we? The Holy Spirit was there. and, And I said this, is that you must be so in tune with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus Christ, that you can actually hear what He's saying and apply it to your life. Right, So God still speaks, but we test those words by the scriptures. Now what I want to do today is, I want to get into a little bit of a story, and we're going to move quickly through it. I'm not going to go really far in depth, but I want you to see that God has a plan for you. And I think that's why God hit me like he did this morning, is that a lot of you in this room, I am convinced, you believe that God can't use you. You believe that, that you're too busy for God. Or that you're too uh, uh, ignorant for God. And meaning that you're not sharp enough in the word or whatever else. You believe that you're too worthless for God. You believe that you're too dirty for God. You believe you're too jacked up for God. And some of you know that God, that Christ has died for your sins and you've received salvation. But you want to stop there because, yeah, Christ died. He loved me enough to die for me, but he didn't love me enough to keep on going. How many of you have had men and women and people in your life and relationships and the person has flaked out on you? And you, you project that onto God like, he yeah, he was there and he loved you, but he's flaked out on you. You see, we so often stop at salvation. And we think that, yeah, I'm redeemed, I'm going to heaven, but I'm doomed to live this life forever. Well, I've thought that way before. But you see, God's, Christ's blood on the cross is sufficient not only for salvation, but for regeneration and sanctification and multiplication and, and all of these wonderful things. God wants to do an amazing work in you. Well, let's open the scriptures. We're going to just touch briefly in Ephesians four eleven. You should have that verse memorized by now. 1 Corinthians 12, 28, and we're going to jump into Jeremiah chapter 1. Before we do, let me pray. Lord Jesus, I just want you to, to, to have your way today. I want you to uh, speak what you would have spoken. I want you, God, to uh, use me as a a willing vessel. I am humbled before you, and I am so grateful that you would, for whatever reason, choose to allow me to be your mouthpiece today. Lord God, you know that I am not worthy. Never said that I was, and uh, you acknowledge that I'm not. But nevertheless, you have loved me, and you have found, you have found a purpose for me. I want to step into it. I want to get out of the way. I acknowledge that it is you and only you in Jesus name. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 4. Let's jump into this thing. Ephesians 4:11 says, "And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body." Uh, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, what I want to look at there, and just briefly, and we're going to just go ahead and move on because we don't need to stay there, is that it says that he gave, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and so on and so forth. You see, these came from God. They wasn't uh, originated from us. We're not self-proclaimed. These apostles, these prophets, these evangelists, they're not self-proclaimed. They didn't put themselves in leadership, but he gave. Now flip over with me to First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, or you can just read it on the screen. We're going to start in 27. Now, you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Listen to what he says. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, and so on and so forth. I want you to pay attention, especially to the words, and God has appointed. And God has appointed. Now, hold on to that uh, for just a second, and let's go over to Jeremiah. Flip back in the Old Testament. And here's where we're going to spend the majority of our time, okay? In Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, that's Jeremiah speaking, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated or set you apart. I consecrated you. I appointed, there's our word again, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, ah, Lord God, with an exclamation point, behold, I do not know how to speak for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth (laughs) for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. God bless the reading and the hearing of his holy word. I want to show you three things really quickly out of the story here that we have in Jeremiah. Number one, I want to show you that God chose us in Christ. God chose us in Christ. Really quickly, this verse isn't gonna be up there, but I want you to know that your coming to Christ, it was not an accident, it was not a happenstance. God chose you, he wanted you, he came after you, he was relentless till he found you, he gets all of the glory, he gets all of the credit, nothing ever stopped him, nothing, nothing ever slowed him down, you weren't good enough and made him come, you weren't bad enough to stop him come from coming. Jesus Christ wanted you and he was going to have you. God chose you in Christ before the foundations of the world. Yeah. He gets all of the glory. You say, you stepping on my toes. But let me tell you something right now. Read the verse. Blessed be the God. This is Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 and 4. Now just, I'm just going to read the Bible, okay? Yeah. I'm just going to read the Bible right now. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. You see, you get no credit for your salvation. You get no credit for your choosing. God chose you in him before the foundations of the world. You see, God was coming after you. You say, I'm no good. I'm no good. Well, he knew you wasn't any good before he ever came after you. As a matter of fact, we find now in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, when Jeremiah was called, what does it say there? What does it say? Go ahead and go back to my points here. In Jeremiah, chapter 1, read it with me. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I what? I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. You see, God formed you in the womb. Before you were ever even a thought to your parents, God already knew you. He already knew, which blows this whole abortion issue out of the water. Okay, I'm not going to get into all that. We'll be here all day long. But life happens in the mind of God, not even in the womb. There have this whole argument about when does life start. It starts before your parents were born. You were a person to God before the womb ever came into existence. Before you entered the womb, I formed you. My point is this. Many of you thinking out there that, well, I just found this church, and I feel like I'm supposed to be done like this, but they don't know me, and, 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 you know, I don't know if I'm meant for this. I don't know if, if I can be good enough. Well, listen, God formed you. He gave you and wanted you before you were ever born, and he has a plan for you that's been in place forever. Because God's existed forever. You see, you existed in the mind of God before anything else. So number one, it says, Jeremiah said, uh, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. But listen next, he says, before you were born, I consecrated you. So not only did he make you, not only did he design you the way that you were to be in his presence for him, gifted for him. You see, I think that we can tie in the whole gifting to this as well. You see, because God doesn't make mistakes and he doesn't have to guess and he's not surprised by anything. He knows exactly what you were intended for before you were ever even a thought. So he formed you in the the womb. Another version says he knitted us together in the womb. You see, he made you who you were to be before you were ever conceived. God was putting you together and forming you in the womb. But not only that, it says that he consecrated you. Listen right there. It says before you were born, I consecrated you. You know what that word means? I made you different. I set you apart for what I wanted. It was like God came in. You see, I told you, I read it to you that God chose you in Christ before the foundations of the world. He formed you in the womb before you ever were a thought. Before you ever were a thought, he formed you in the womb and he knew you before you were ever there. And then he looked at you and he said, this one right here that's coming down the pipe pun intended. This one right here that's coming down the pipe, I know who he's going to be. As a matter of fact, I've already designed him for the work that I have for him. He don't know it yet. Now he's going to be all jacked up and he's going to go through a training process that's going to have his mind blown. But I know exactly who he is. As a matter of fact, I put him together. I knit him together in the womb. And not only did I knit him together in the womb, but I already decided what I had for him. And when he pops out, I'm going to say, you now, you go over there. You set apart. You see a bunch of them come out. There's a whole bunch of them come out, right? Babies having babies, babies everywhere, right? They're everywhere. They're everywhere. <laughs> but God said, this one right here, I'm going to set apart. Wow. This one right here, I'm going to set him apart from everybody else. Now, i got something over here for these two, but i got to work for you. You consecrate. You set apart. He's saying, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. God knows. God knows. He knit you together. He consecrated you. He set you apart. And now you are over here. But you say, yeah, I'm over here. I'm set apart for God, but I don't know what to do. He goes on. God's word is sufficient. It says, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. So he says, you've been set apart for my work. Now I got a job for you. I'm going to appoint you to what I want. You say, now how, how does God do that? He speaks to you. How often do we say no? How often do we say God's not speaking to me, but you tell him no all the time? All the time you're telling him no. Sometimes you'll tell him yes, but all that you say God never speaks to me. I beg to differ. I bet I can even finger you on when you've talked back to him. You say God never speaks to me, then why are you talking back to him? You say, well, tell it to me. Okay. How many times have you been sitting on the couch? Uh, South Carolina game car's about to come on. they about to get beat, but you're going to watch it anyway. <laughs> okay? Huh? Huh? And your Bible, listen. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Your Bible's on the table. And you hear this still, small voice. You need to get in my word. And you... You who say God never speaks to me you look at your Bible and you say not right now you say not right now now if God doesn't speak then you crazy because you talking to somebody huh so the Lord Lord says you need to stay home from work today and spend time with your kids but but I got to provide some of you even talk out loud I can't stay home today. Who was you talking to? If somebody else is in the room, and your wife might have walked in sometimes and said, what did you say? Oh, nothing. <laughs> huh? You need, you need to get online, and you need to do a little bit of research on this one particular topic. You need to pick up the phone, and you need to call so-and-so because he's hurting today. God, I ain't got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. And the Lord said, but I, wanted, I was going to use you today to be an encourager. You see, a gift of encouragement. Gift of helps, gift of service. He said, there's a, there's a need in Kidwell. And when I spoke it earlier, and the Lord spoke through his messenger up here, and I told you that there was a need, the Lord said, you could do that once a month. But some of you in your heart said, Lord, I don't want to miss the service. Lord, I can't stand kids. <laughs> and the Lord's like, I died on the cross for you. You can't die in Kidwell for me. You know what I'm saying? How many of you speak back to the Lord, but you say he doesn't speak? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Now, you need to test it to the Scriptures, sure, because Satan speaks too. I ain't got time for that, but God still speaks. You see, he formed you in the womb. He knitted you together. He made you who he intended you to be. And he will gift you like he is going to gift you through the blood of Christ, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He will give you everything. He will set you apart for his work. He already knows what he has for you. And he's going to appoint you to a certain task. And he's going to do it through the leaders that surround you. He's going to do it through speaking to you. He's going to do it through sharing things with you in the word. You know how many times you just fall into reading something you're like, wow. I can't believe how many of you've ever been reading the Bible. you be like, "Man, that's like it's right to me." It's because the Lord's speaking to you through the Word. He does that. The Bible says that the that the Bible says that the Bible is living and active and sharper than any two edged sword. Now, I got to move on. Number two, God empowers us through Christ. You see, there's no more excuses. It is God who works. There's no more excuses. It is God who sins. There's no more excuses. It is absolutely God who speaks. You say, I can't do that. I can't go over there. I'm scared. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do that. I know you can't, and He knows you can't too. That's why He formed you, consecrated you, and appointed you to do this work, but He didn't leave you there. See, God doesn't leave you there. Listen to what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah said what you said. Then I said, Ah, Lord God. Ah, no. Kidwell, no. Read the Bible, man. My favorite show's coming on. You just told God Almighty no to the living word because of some show, television show. You say, I never tell God no. Yes, you do all the time. And I do too. And I got to stop that. It's like, stop, stop that. Now stop that. Put that remote down. You know, how many times does God do that? I mean, you do that to your son, your daughter. It's like, I want a cookie. Suffer's cooking. I got better things for you. Psh. You go on and do it anyway, and then what happens? You know? My daddy's done that for me before, and I was like this right here. No! No! I used to wear baggy pants, right? I wear it. One time, I remember, now this is a quick story right here. I remember the last time my daddy ever whooped me. You remember that? I remember the last time. My daddy's here. And uh, I had gotten into the phase. I wore some real baggy pants, Uh, and he had this hickory. Now, my grandma, she's she's here too. You pick a bad hickory, she's going to send you to get another one. You're going to get whooped twice. all right? But I had done something. I can't remember what I'd done, but my daddy was whooping me. And I remember since I had the baggy pants on, it was like hitting an umbrella, you know, or a parachute. But I couldn't feel it, so I made the mistake of laughing. You remember that, daddy? So he's like, all right. You know, my dad, you know, he's like, okay. Go down to the woods. So we go down to the woods, to the edge of the woods, and he picks this. It's not a hickory. It's a stick. <laughs> and he's like, boom. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was kidding. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I don't even know why I was saying that. No, the Lord works in our lives. He disciplines us, he shows us, he leads us, he's got us. He's got us, right? So he formed us, he set us apart, he appointed us, but we make these excuses. And then he said, Jeremiah said, Ah, Lord, God, behold, I do not know how to speak for I'm only a youth. But the Lord said, do not say I'm only a youth, for to, who, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. You see, it is the Lord God who works. It is he who sins, and it is he who speaks. When you start to doubt yourself, then that's fine. Like Wesley said, you can doubt yourself all you want to because you really can't do it. But it is God who does it in you. It is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It is him who does this. It is not you anyway. So you've got to let God do what God does. And then moving on to the last thing, right here because I want you to know that you absolutely are you are in a position to potentially make a magnificent difference in the world but you're only a a yes away you see we just got to stop telling God no God has formed you he's knit you he's set you apart he's appointed you Right? And he's told you, I know, you know, like Jeremiah, you said, but I can't, but I, but I, but I, but I. And God has said, just like he said to Moses, he said, yeah, maybe not. Maybe you can't speak, but that's okay because I'm the one sending you, right? Right? I'm the one that's going to speak through you. It's going to be me. And that's why he desires a weak vessel so that his strength will be made manifest. And if I had times, we could go over to Judges chapter 7 and look at the book of Gideon and how he whittled them down from 32,000 soldiers down to 300. You see, a lot of the times, I spoke this Thursday night too, a lot of the times God needs to break you down so he can build you up. A lot of times we're we're so prideful, but God's like, I know you can't. That's why I chose you. That's why I chose you. And then the third thing is, is that God finishes us by Christ. You see, there's no more fear because Christ has said it is finished. Look here in Jeremiah. And Jeremiah answered the call of God. You have to ask the question, will you answer the call of God? It says, do not say I'm only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Listen to this. Hang your hat on this. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord, declares the Lord. And the last verse, I'll tell you, see, this, is, this actually takes root and is completed in the work of Jesus Christ. Uh, in Joshua chapter 1, in Moses, in, in this place right here, in First Chronicles, all throughout the Old Testament, God is saying is that I have promised you. I have shown you. I will do it. I will make you a nation. I will do this. I, will, I promise you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. All of these promises, right? Well, we could look and see, well, Jerusalem, you know, fell. And, and, and Israel's not in, in the Holy Land. They're not a whole nation. It seems like God has failed. But God has not failed because all of these were foreshadows of what Jesus Christ would do in his death, burial, and resurrection. You see, what what you need to happen in you can only happen in you because of what happened in Christ. You see, God is going to finish you. And when I say finish you, I don't mean like finish you off. I mean he is going to keep you till the end. You see, you are going to want to give up. You are going to fall. But God is going to be the one that not only forms you in the womb, appoints you to the work, and empowers you to do it, but he's going to keep you till the end so you don't have to worry for he says do not be afraid for I will deliver you declares the Lord which sets it in stone as it was spoken out by God himself he is going to do this thing and you don't have to worry about it Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says this and I am sure of this that he who began a good work in me in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ You see, you don't have to worry. You're wondering about your call? Don't worry about it. God will show you what it is. You're wondering about being able to do your call? Don't worry about it. He's going to gift you and empower you to do it. You're worried about uh, about falling. You're worried about not staying true to the end. Don't worry about it. He's going to keep you and he is going to guard you. And he is the one who will finish it in the end. He is not, Hambone says all the time, he is not looking for your ability. But he is looking for your availability. You see, God desires to use you. Will you say yes and allow him to do the rest? Will you say yes and allow him to do the rest? Stop telling him no. I challenged our bucket group, and after this we're going to do the questions. I challenged our bucket group this week. We went through the same thing. We said, does God still speak? Most everyone, I think everyone in the room said, yeah, I think he still speaks. We have personal examples of God speaking to you, and it was so real that you spoke back. You do it all the time. Just pay attention now. A lot of times we just walk around through life like, God doesn't speak to me. Pay attention this week. Pay attention this week. And when God whispers, do this, do that, pick up this Bible, read this verse, do this, do that. Try this week to not say no one time and watch what happens. You say, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to walk into my gift. I was talking to Brother Randy a little bit earlier. He said, I don't know how to. Just listen. Just listen. God's speaking. The question is, are you listening, and will you answer with a yes? Landrum, Inman, Spartanburg, Greenville, it won't be the same. If Christians would just stop telling God no, that's the truth. Now, let's get into some questions. I understand we've got a few questions. Uh, I do believe that God desires to know you, uh, and I do believe that God uh, has a plan for you, and he has a gifting for you, and I want you to walk into that. That's why we're doing this this morning. So first question is, what do I do if I don't know what my gift is? Okay? What do I do if I don't know what my gift is? Probably a lot of you are wondering that. Some things that I would tell you is this, is that if you don't know what your gift is, then a lot of the times, if you will go to those in leadership over you, they will be able to help by saying, this is what I see that God has gifted you with. Uh, for instance a lot of people will come to me and they'll say this they'll say I'm not really sure what my gift is and I will be able to now if you spend enough time with that leadership anyway now if you only come on Sundays or if you're new here or whatever it's going to be really hard uh, to do that so if you have someone trusted in your life that you trust to uh, speak into your life if they know Christ then you can ask some of those people around you and a lot of the times your gifting will coincide with your personality so this will be a big help to you so if you tend to be very generous. If you, if it's not hard for you to give, if you see someone in need and your first reaction is this, then you've probably got the gift of helps or the gift of generosity. If you, if you like a uh, Steve Brown, I mean, who in here doesn't know what Steve Brown's gift is? It's very obvious, right? Because if there's anything that needs to be done, he's like knocking you out of the way to get to it. <laughs> right? He wants to work. If I got a mop in my hand and there's only one mop, he's like, brother, can I do that? <laughs> he's got the gift of what? Service. Right, I have people calling me. There's like one or two or three or certain people who call me all the time. and They're like, you know, I'm praying for you today. I got the gift of encouragement. I see some people emerge as uh, leaders, and they want to uh, take charge of something. Now, uh, you might need to steer that and guide that, but it may be that God has given you the gift of administration or leadership. Or, you know, we can see. I, I know several of you that comes right to mind that you can, you've got the gift to teach okay so uh, what do I do if I don't know what my gift is you need to get in a close relationship with your leadership with those who are in authority over you you need to submit to them and you need to uh, seek their guidance on what your gift is that's what I would say one thing another thing obviously the first thing is pray and seek God ask God to reveal that how have you made me God how have you knit me together in my in, in my mother's womb what what is it that you've set me apart for you know, what do you have for me? And if you will seek the Lord and not say no, then He will absolutely start to lead and guide you in that calling, and He will open up doors for you to be used in that calling too. So, good questions. Read the Bible, read all of these lists of giftings, and see, okay, God, what is it that you have for me? What is it that you have for me? Next question. Uh, let's see. Can a prophetic word be wrong? We'll get into this question uh, next week. Uh, The question is, can a prophetic word be wrong? Okay, I'm not going to take a ton of time to answer this because we will answer this question in more detail next week, but it depends on what you mean by prophetic word. There's two distinctions in the Bible as to what a prophetic word is from my understanding of Scripture. In the Old Testament, a prophetic word would come through a prophet and he would then say something to this nature, thus, says, thus saith the Lord or thus says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Those uh, words of prophecy are uh, actually canonical words, meaning that these are the actual breathed out inspired words of God and they were written down and recorded and no they cannot be wrong they are not wrong they never will be wrong and we are to judge our lives by these words so can a prophetic word be wrong not in that way But now in the New Testament, this gifting of prophet really shifts and then the apostles actually become uh, that office by which the word of God is proclaimed and then written down to be a canonical writing of God himself. So what I mean by that is that the prophet in the Old Testament correlates or parallels to the apostle in the New Testament, okay? And when the apostles speak in the New Testament, it is recorded and we regard it as the breathed out word of God. But now in the New Testament emerges a different type of prophecy and we are forced to create another type of category to understand this type of prophecy now like i said i'm going to touch on this in a little bit more detail next week but in 1 corinthians 14 in 1 corinthians 12 13 and 14 really that whole kind of section right there it speaks about words of prophecy that are to be tested by the word of god okay uh Paul himself says that y- you are to test every word uh, so this there's this new category of someone who is speaking some type of prophetic utterance and then we are to uh, ask of those that are in charge those who are gifted by God we are to throw this around and say is this helpful does this correlate does this align with the scriptures and we are to not despise the prophecies but to test the prophecies so New Testament prophecy did from old testament prophecy in that paul himself says that we need to question this new prophecy and it can be helpful but it can be a lie okay we will go into greater depth on that because i believe that the gift of prophecy and the gift of teaching really kind of line up to one another and you say well if a prophetic word can be wrong why wouldn't we just throw it out well before we get to the next question if we've got another question what how would we say well can a teaching be wrong can a teaching be wrong Yeah. Should we throw all teaching out then? No. What should we do with it? Test it by the word of God. It is the same way with the New Testament understanding of prophecy in the New Testament. And this is scriptural. We'll get to the scriptural basis next week. But we see that some prophetic words can be, because they're coming through a fallible person, right? They're not apostles. They're not prophets like that. And so they, would, they may hear it wrong. They may record it wrong. Maybe they get a vision and they're trying to record it down real fast, but they saw a little wrong. They understood a little wrong. Then they try to interpret it down on paper. They may, they may interpret it a little bit wrong. And then when they try to proclaim it, it may be proclaimed a little bit wrong. So we have to test it according to the scriptures. Next question. Is this helpful for you guys? Yeah, Yeah, I like like this. Um, How do we get out of the way of God, of what God has planned for us? That's a good question. So how do we get out of the way of what God has planned for us? Well, the first thing I would say is, is that you have to absolutely submit your life. How do we get out of the way of what God has planned for us? You have to submit your life. I think this would really correlate with what's God's will for my life. How many of you have ever wondered that? What's God's will for my life? Well, <clears throat> I think in order to understand what God's will for your life is, is that you, under, you need to understand what God's will is. Amen. I think a lot of the times people think uh, that God's will is this, um, is this line, okay? And if I had a piece of chalk, I could draw a line up here. And they think that, um, a lot of people think that God's will is a straight line, okay? Uh, And that we are to get in God's will, meaning that we are to get on the line, and then we are to follow God's will uh, in such a way that we follow the line. And the decisions are the line, and are we making decisions that align with God's will? And if we make the wrong decisions, such as Marrying the wrong person, choosing the wrong career, choosing the wrong uh, college. Then we get outside of God's will, and God's will kept going that way, and we took a left-hand turn, and now we're not in God's will anymore. Okay, But I would suggest to you that God's will doesn't work like that. Uh, that's not, we don't find that in Scripture. Now, does God have a will that is directional, and, and God's going to have his way, and he's sovereign, and whatever God wills will happen? Yes, it does. But how do we remain inside of God's will? I would suggest instead of uh, thinking of, and I'm a picture type of guy anyway, instead of thinking of God's will as a line that you need to walk like this, I would suggest to you that that's not the way God's will is. As a matter of fact, God's will is more like a bubble. Okay? Um, The Bible says in John chapter 6, it says, uh, and the, the disciples was wondering, what then is the work of God? What is the will of God? What does God have for us? And you know what the answer was? To believe in the one whom he has sent. Okay? So God's will is more like a bubble. And as you navigate life, which has all of these twists and all of these turns, and some go straight and some go left and some go right and some go, you know, do I go to, I know Taylor was, was wondering, do I go to Anderson College or do I go to North Greenville College? Do I go to duke or do i go to usc do i go to where, where do i go you know if i if i now what about this what if what are those of you who are in a relationship right now you're trying to figure out am i to get married if the indication is is that god has one now some of you may disagree with this but i want you to think about the philosophical implications if god has one person for you what if you marry the wrong one if god has one person for you that was meant for you and no one else, and you married the wrong one, What that? you know what happens? The world falls apart. Because you just took somebody's one. Now that person's going to have to take somebody else's one. And they got to take somebody else's one. Because their one's gone. So I had a guy come to me, and this is kind of getting out there a little bit, but this is helpful. I had a guy come to me and he said, I think that the woman I'm married to is not my soulmate. And he said... I think the one I was supposed to marry lives in Florida. Now, if what I just said and God has one path for you and Taylor going to Anderson was the right or the wrong one or this guy marrying this woman was the right or the wrong one, if that's true, then he may have had a point because he may have bypassed the one and now he's with this one. What does he do? We say, no, that's not the Bible. We say, You married, this is exactly what I told him. Now, you know, I was not as compassionate, so I come across with the right hook, you know. I said, that's stupid. I said, the one, your soulmate is the woman you're married to because you took vows. You entered into covenant. I don't know who the woman is in Florida, but this woman is your soulmate. This is the one God had for you. And how do you stay inside of God's will? You love her. You lay your life down for her as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, washing her in water as the word to present to himself a beautiful bride, right? So God's will is not really a line. You got to make exact right decisions. He's not a taskmaster. And if you get out of line, he's going to punch you in the face, right? But he is a wonderful guiding God. He is a leader. And what he desires for you, if you come up to a choice, and I'm going to move on. If you come up to a choice, you've got to go left or right. Left or right is not really the choice. It is how will you go left or how will you go right. I love God. And I'm going to obey his word. I'm going to seek him. And I'm going to pray. And I'm going to meditate on the word. And when God gives me comfort, I'm going to do what he did. But if whether I go right or whether I go left, I'm going to go in the name of the Lord. God's will is with you. It indwells you by the Holy Spirit. And God will keep you in his will if you obey the word of God. So wherever you go, you can be inside the will of God. And God is going to do great things through you. It is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Does that help? Does that make sense? All right, I don't think we have time for any more. Do we got time for any more? It's 12.08. I don't think we have time for any more. Huh? One more? You want to do one more? Raise your hand if you want to do one more. Well, praise the Lord. All right, do we have any more? All right. He said, hold on a second. Good stuff. And see, all of this then, you say, well, while they're getting the other question up, all of this then you say, well, you know, what what if I I don't know God's gift for me? Well, then how do I step into it? Really, you just obey. And you say, well, what if I pick the wrong gift? God is sovereign. As long as you love him and obey him and walk in the word and in prayer, he's got you. He's going to hold you. He's going to keep you. All right, last question. What do I do when I feel like I am letting God down or not following the teaching like I should? Well, that's pretty easy. The first thing I would say in my, you know, black and white mind is repent. Right? Put the question back up there, please. So it would say Can we pop that up back back up real quick? Oh, you gotta type it back in. What do I do when I know? Da, na, na, na. Na, na, na. Somebody needs some typing lessons. What do I do when I feel like I'm letting God down or not following teaching like I should? Just leave it up there. First, you need to repent, okay? You need to stop doing what's wrong and start doing what's right because the implications there are that you know what's right. See, how can you know what you're doing is wrong? Okay? What, what, how, can, how, do you, how do you know what you're doing is wrong? It's that you know what's right. right. So the implication there is, is that I know I'm doing wrong. I know I'm letting God down by not following his teaching like I should. That in and of itself necessarily means that you know what God is teaching, right? And this is anonymous. I have no idea who you are, but I bet several are, are doing this. I know what God is teaching. I know how God is leading, I hear God speaking, but I am choosing to go this way. So the first and very first thing I would say is repent. Stop doing what's wrong and turn and start doing what's right. So we find in the scriptures that we grieve the Holy Spirit. The Bible actually says in one place, uh, it says that the prayers of a righteous man accomplishes a lot so we know that your behavior the way that you walk and talk uh, that getting out of God's will so let's go back to God's will so God's will is not a line but it is a it is a thing that you do it is a it is who you are so as you're loving God and as you're pursuing God then uh, he is with you in all the decisions that you make and he is sovereignly keeping you within his will because you are in love with him and walking according to his ways so whether you take a right or you take a left he is with you and guiding you, right? Well, now let's apply this same logic. You say, well, what what if I'm grieving the Holy Spirit or what if I'm letting God down or not following the teaching? Then you know what happens? What that means is, is that you've gotten outside of God's will, the bubble, you've stepped out of God's will and it doesn't matter where you go, you can't please God. Romans chapter 14, it says, anything that does not come from faith is sin. Did you know that? Romans 14 says, anything that doesn't come from faith is a sin. So if you know, if you have faith in God and you know that his will is over here and then you keep on walking, you can take a right, you can take a um, a right, you can take a left, you can go straight, you can go to diagonal, but God's will is over there. It doesn't matter what you do. You can't be in God's will and you can't please God. Romans chapter 8 says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Romans chapter 8 says it is impossible to please God without faith. Romans chapter 8 also says that if we walk by the Spirit, we will not do the things of the flesh. But if we walk by the flesh, we will not be able to do the things of the Spirit. So if you walk in the Spirit, then you do the things of the Lord. But if you walk in the flesh as He is not in the flesh, then you will not be able to do God's will. What do you do when you know what God is saying and you're letting Him down? and not doing what you're supposed to be doing. What do you do? You repent. And this is a good segue, a transition into uh, our time of of decision. So as we all stand to our feet and as the lights come down, I want to ask you, are you intentionally disobeying God? Call it what it is. And you know, God's a big God. You come to God and you say, Lord, I've heard the preaching on the gifts. Lord, I've heard how you formed me. God, that resonates with my soul. I know that, that Jesus Christ's blood and righteousness is what empowers me as he ascended on high and sent the Holy Spirit to, to do a great work in me. God, I know that, that, that you have empowered me to do great and mighty things. But Lord, I've been, I've been disobedient. I've been walking away. And God, I mean, come on, people. Is everything does it, does it seem like everywhere you go, you fall? Does it seem like everything that you do, you just can't get peace? You feel like any decision that you make, even going to church sometimes, feels like you're outside of the will of God. Going to church doesn't save you. Doing some job doesn't save you. You can work in Kidwell every Sunday for the next year. It's not going to sanctify you. It's not going to justify you. It's just going to hurt them if you're not walking with Christ. If you have a repentant heart and if you've turned back to Jesus and you've simply said, Lord, I have nothing but what I have is yours. Whatever I have, you take and use it. I I lay my life down at the cross. I I take up my cross and I follow you. I love you more than anything in my life. And where you lead, I will follow. If you cry out like Samuel, here am I. Here am I, send me. Then the Lord will use you. And as you study your word and as you meditate on the word, what is said of the believer in Psalm chapter 1, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the ways of the wicked Or sit in the seat of sinners Or stand in the way of scoffers But his delight is in the law of the Lord And he meditates on it day and night In everything that he does He prospers He's like a tree planted by living waters Who bears its fruit in season And whose leaf never withers In everything that he does He prospers Who is that guy? It is the one who finds his love and his desires in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. There's the blessing. Do you seek God? What do I do if I know I'm letting God down? Seek him. Repent. Turn back to him. He's standing. See, the good thing is he's standing like this. Remember the prodigal son? Man, we could go on and on and on and on. The Lord is... He's not even standing still like this, but he is running like this to meet you where you're broken, to receive you, to empower you to put the signet ring on your finger and to kill the fattened calf. He longs for you. He's appointed you. He's chosen you. He's formed you. He empowers you. He sets you apart. He appoints you. He gives you everything that you need. He's the one sending. He's the one speaking. He's the one that's keeping. He's the one that's finished. It. All you do is fall in love with him and follow him for the rest of your life. You cannot fail. Even if they take your life, they cannot take your God. Who will answer the call this morning? For the Lord is calling. He is calling through his servants. He is calling through his word. He is calling through the still small voice. How many of you need to repent because you have been grieving the Holy Spirit? But today is the day. Today is the day. Turn away from your sin and turn toward God. I love you so much. The front is open. What's your decision? What say you, church?